0: Bid Clips presents today in trades, all things sales, technology, and success for entrepreneurs in the home and business service industry. I'm your host, Jim Evans. Good morning, everybody. It's today in trades. I'm Jim Evans. We're really excited today about an interview with my favorite professional in the home services space, um, Sid Graff of Spectrum Windows. Uh, window cleaning and actually full spectrum services for that matter in Missoula, Montana. Um, I've learned much from Sid. Um, I enjoy watching how he runs his company. Um, every time we're together, I take away something of value. Today is about him and we're talking about technicians. Um, all we hear is I can't find good technicians. We can't find quality people. For a lot of us out there, we don't really have that problem because it's also about leadership and other things. And so Sid's going to talk to us about how how he finds his team, how he encourages his team. We're going to go through um, all sorts of different topics. We also have Caleb on with us as well, who will be joining us um, to help ask questions and, and to dive in with Sid. So well, Sid, um, yesterday you were rappelling off of a, a building. Uh, I wasn't joking when I told you I'm jealous. That sounds like a lot of fun. How was it? It was actually nice.
1: Yesterday, it, it, you know, thankfully the sun was shining. It hit 42 degrees. Um, it, you know, in the, we're in the middle of January. It could have been 10 degrees in a completely different scenario. So it was, it was quite fun.
0: I was thinking about that. I said, you know, and Missoula could be really exciting and beautiful, or it could be an absolute disaster. So good for you. I'm glad you're safe, and I love that you're still out there with your guys. I uh, think that's an important leadership quality to jump on jobs here and there and and be there with them. Definitely. Yeah,
1: and it you know it it it's amazing the difference it makes when you just send guys out to do stuff, or when you show up and do it with them. That because um, your your team will develop these ideas that. Oh, he's the boss. He just, you know, I don't know what he does. He eats ice cream in front of his computer all day. Uh, Who knows? But he never works. That can be the the thought.
0: Absolutely, no. That's a really good point. I think sometimes we forget that as leaders, and then we know what we're doing is important, but often we forget about perception and about. And I think it's just a time with empathy. We get a chance to see how our team's doing. There's nothing, there's one thing to pull in a meeting and sit them down. There's nothing to actually be with them while they're working and and hear them and and feel what they're going through.
1: Yeah, 100%.
2: All right, Sid. Well, I'm going to go ahead and dive in here. The first question is really pressing from from my perspective is, uh, let's talk about your Google reviews here. So um, I don't know how much prefacing we've done here, but uh, these are the best I've personally ever seen in terms of. The volume and also the just, they're all five stars. So for, for everybody that's listening and watching, they're all five stars. So can, what's up with that? Can you talk about that just a little bit for us?
0: Well, first of all, I want to tell everyone he is 324 five star. So Sid, are you buying those leads on the, on the black market?
1: 100% all of them are authentic and honest reviews. That's, that's one of the things that's that's super important to us is that every review had to be real. To be transparent, in the beginning, we had all five, 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 five stars. And I had to ask one of my friends that is a customer. I said, please give us a review. I said, but don't give us five stars. I need a four in there so that it seems like they're not fake. And he's like, can't do it. Sorry. It's, it's going to be a five. Um, and um, we, we have buried in there somewhere. There's one three-star review and one four. We, we one day, well, I'll, I'll tell you, the, like, the importance of reviews can't be overstated. Because we, you know, we have a goal to be, you know, the the best company in our area, to be the first choice that people make. And so how do people make that buying decision now? They pull up their phone and they go, okay, Siri, window cleaner in Missoula. Or they go, you know, okay, Google. They they just say that and it pops up on their phone and you automatically on, on, uh, you know, the Google My Business page, you see the maps and you see the highest reviews. So I went, I need to have 10 times as many reviews as the next competitor. And so you mentioned, and we're at 325, next competitor, I think has 41. So we're close to that 10x. We used to be, but it's hard to keep that gap, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 times. But we, um, at first, it was just a simple ask. And here's a funny thing like, people want to give you reviews. If you do good work and they're happy, they want to tell people, but people are busy and they forget. So if you don't make it incredibly easy, really simple for them to, click a button and post a review. They will probably not do it. Mm-hmm. And if it's okay, here's my anecdotal story. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had, um, I, I think it was six years ago. Uh, there was a big forest fire outside of Lolo and a lot of our customers got bombarded with smoke. I mean, they were like on the edge of the fire. They had soot and smoke. So we decided to to do something great for our customers and great for a cause that we support. And that's the Watson's children's mm-hmm. shelter. We said, I just messaged everybody at Lolo that was in our customer base and said, Hey, we would like to come down. We'll wash your exterior windows for free because we want to help because you know, the, the fire and, you know, help kind of put your life back together is a small contribution that in exchange, what we'd like to do is anything that you want to pay, make your check payable to Watson's children's shelter. We're going to donate any money. And we anticipated people would, you know, write a check for the amount that their normal cleaning was and most did. Um, and I said, here's the conditions. When we're finished, we'd love it. If you would, you know, pay Watson children's shelter and then post a nice review for us. And we had eight people that we did on a Saturday and every single one of them was very thankful. They agreed readily. We'll post a review out of those eight that said, yes, I will. And we just gave them the big freebie. How many would you guess actually posted a review within the next two weeks? Half. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it wasn't, because, and these are all nice people and they all really meant it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, it's really easy. Just go, you know, just Google us and do this and click this button and then you'll see the thing and then find the review thing. And one person did. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, you know, I just gave you a free car from Oprah Mm -hmm. and you didn't Mm -hmm. bother to give me a review. Um, But I realized it was just because it wasn't simple enough. Now we have a process When we finish the job. I mean, we, we plant the seeds in advance when we schedule, When you know, the crew gets to the door, they say, you know, Good morning, Jim. We're here to clean your windows. I'm Sid. This is Caleb. Um, our goal today is to make sure we earn your five-star review. This is what we have on the list. Is this everything? Is there anything else you want? And then when we finish, you know, we walk them around, make sure that they're happy, and then ask them if they would mind posting a review for us. And they always say, yes, that'd be great. We say, no problem. We'll text you a link. And we, okay. just, we just set up a short link directly to the Google review spot, and it hits their phone and text. And what do people do? Bing, click post a review,
2: right. It's instant.
1: And we probably have about a 50% review rate.
2: So your have, process uh, has really changed ultimately oh. from, from where you started even maybe early on to now yeah. in terms of that. Yeah. You're steering yeah. people right to those. Yeah.
0: To I, heard, I, 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 heard, I heard a few things that were awesome there. First of all, um, I hope those of you listening are, listening, are hearing that, you know, you, Sid wanted to help out and what a great way to help out your community um, and, and it does a couple of different things. There's no better marketing than um, selfless philanthropy. Go do something for your community so that people see your brand, they see your team. It helps your team. It helps your technicians to know what your company's about. So we're going to leverage some of that into the rest of this conversation. But more importantly, I think Sid, had, had it been easy then, of course, I bet you everybody would have put the review in. So that actually doubles back on our last episode, Caleb on, you know, Sid just validated the five things that winning companies are doing that the losers aren't and winning companies are using technologies, whether it's big clips, podium um, texting, they're getting that link to people easy, you know, and, and, um, you know, thanks to our sponsor BidClips, for example, they, you get the, when you hit completed on your job, it automatically emails texts them um, and messages them a link and says, please review us uh, on its own. No one has to push a button. Mm-hmm. And so um, leverage into those different tools. Um, but more importantly, I don't want everyone to, to miss that there was a fire that ransacked a community and said, said, I'm going to step in and help out. So not only does that, that I mean, the, the reviews are the byproduct, and, but the, the actual antidote was grab your team and go do some things for your community. Some of you are new. Maybe um, maybe you're just getting started and you can't afford to do all of that. It can be something as small as an afternoon at the, at the food bank with your technicians, bringing them along with you to do things for your community is the best way to not only internally build your company and then externally. So said that's actually going to pave a really nice path into um, the next question, which is, um, what do you attribute to your success in retaining technicians?
1: I, you know what? It, I, I really love this question for so many reasons. Mainly, you you know you you did send me an email that had these are some types of questions we'll ask, and I read that, and I thought the irony today. So here's the irony. So I'll I'll be like I know when I talk about my business, I want everybody to think it's fantastic and I'm amazing, you know, because that's-
2: Everybody does.
1: Everybody wants that. Right. I'll be incredibly transparent with you guys. So we have had throughout the years, this is our 17th 17th year in business in this location. And we've had great staff. We've had solid retention for a seasonal business. But 2020 was an absolute challenge. I would say disaster, but it wasn't really. But it was so challenging. We actually, uh, Jim, Caleb, we had- 100% turnover in our team. Wow. Only wow. only our senior our highest level management is the only person that's with us now that was with us at the beginning of the year
0: and oh, jesus said i don't know if you got the memo but everyone listens to this they all run perfect businesses so i don't i don't know maybe we should just stop the podcast um uh, it's it's you you had a hard 2020 I, I i weird no, I know, no I one else has lost much. technicians or struggles so uh, uh thank you for the transparency had you said everything was wonderful i was probably just gonna you know but punt the episode this is fantastic I can't believe people so- were
2: weren't spending their stimulus checks on window cleaning. that's what <laughs> My, i would yeah. expect
1: Well, I think we didn't have any problem um, having, maintaining or gaining customers. We,
0: Mm -hmm, business didn't slow down
1: that way, Um, but we had the perfect storm and you can say, oh, it was COVID. There were, there were a lot of things. We called it COVID stress. Everybody's stress level, you know, went from Mm -hmm. 10 in the background to 90 and, and that was hard. So we had a handful of our employees that, that imploded under their self-imposed pressure and they just, Mm -hmm. they couldn't have contact with anybody else. And so it didn't work and they went their own way. And we had a few people that they're like, it's kind of like due to COVID, I'm moving back to Florida. I'm moving sure. to Idaho. And so shoot, these guys start. And it was funny because the beginning of the season I had five returning experienced all-stars. I'm like, this is gonna be the most amazing year. We're starting with a really solid base. We put culture pieces in place. We're gonna rock. And we, we immediately, we had hired and trained. We had 12 technicians in the field. Everything's running great. I was out of town for a week. And the week after I came back, in you know, a two-week period, we went from 12 technicians to five. Jeez. and Right in our busy season. So that, I mean, that's that's worse than a wobbly wheel on a grocery cart. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. troublesome.
0: <clears throat>
1: but it it was, well, you go, you know, one of the, the biggest things about business ownership is you adapt to the scenario. So get, getting back to, we started with 12, we ended with zero. Right now we have three technicians. We are in our slow season as a seasonal business. But we used... A lot of people looked at, you know, I've seen all the memes about, you know, you know, goodbye 2020, don't let the door hit you in the rear, whatever. You know, like the, the whole thing is 2020 was horrible. I can't wait for it to be over. I'm so grateful for the challenges we had because I learned more due to the challenges than I ever would have learned if it had just been seamless and perfect. Hmm. And here's what we did. We we have this downtime. I took two weeks um, off, no phone, no anything. and just reverse engineered what the outcome needs to be. One of the biggest challenges we've faced with staff as a seasonal business for 17 years is people need to work or they need income in the winter. So what do they do? Well, we lay them off for the winter because there's no work. So they either go in unemployment, they go find another job. And all our best employees go find another job because they're used to work. They love to produce. They're hustlers. And They always go with the promise that I'll see you in the spring and we keep in touch and half of them end up just staying with their new job or they go with a new opportunity. So we don't have the, the retention base that we want. So we retooled everything. We started with like, this is the end goal. We want to keep our people and we want to pay them enough where if they're a a dual income family, they could buy a house in Missoula. That means going from, you know, a, a nine month technician averaging, you know, 25,000 to make sure they average 35,000, but we pay that over a year's time. So we've we renewed or we, we changed the way we handle our technicians this year. I mean, everything works in theory. We see, we'll see how it works out this year, but we're gonna give them teachers pay where they work nine months, get 12 months pay. And they're part of the team. That way they don't have to go look for something else. And they have two and a half full months off. They can go snow ski, then go to Mexico, They can just, you know, rebuild a motorcycle in their garage all winter long. Um, And then we can pay them more. But that involves retooling almost everything we do. We had to renew the budget. We had to look at what does it take to support a higher wage? How do we, you know, spread that out over 12 months? And that means, you know, reconditioning our customer base. We have to raise some prices. We have to release some customers. We'll have to expand the way we do things. And all of that, you know, most people are nervous about raising prices. I am. Um, so we looked at ways. How can we in, increase our prices, but increase the value we provide even more? To not necessarily justify. Everybody understands prices go up, but to make sure that we support the price increase by providing more value than what we're charging. This is a long answer to a very short question. No, it's, it's interrupt- fantastic.
0: And yeah. and and I, I want to. Uh, there's a there's a ton to unpack here, and I want to hit a few points with you. To. Um that to make sure that we're all we're, we're there's a lot for those of us listening here there's a lot to understand first of all for me being a fellow um owner myself first of all most years we've struggled with finding customers right for a lot of years it wasn't necessarily retooling i love what sid said this was a chance for him to retool internally because a lot of us out there we did see um caleb's In a different, um, you know, those of us that were locked in our house with our families, we did spend our stimulus money on fixing up our house because that's where we were living and cleaning it up. And so, Sid, retooling internally, that's a scary thing to do. Was that scarier um, than trying to find more business or increase sales?
1: It's probably scarier. It's definitely more difficult because... Most people are outward looking. It's like when you talk to a fellow business owner and and always the question is like, what's the size of your business? How many technicians you have? What was your revenue? And also, if you go, well, we had a million dollar year. Like, wow, you're amazing. That top line number doesn't matter. What matters is what's your bottom line net, net, net profit. What did you keep? And so that's kind of, we're looking at the net profit within our business as people, like Mm -hmm. how much do you keep? Not how much came and went throughout the year because It just, if you, you know, we've had, our our longest term employee in the past has been 11 years. And having somebody with you that long breeds so much consistency and stability within your team, within your customers. It was the greatest joy for me when my customers would call and schedule and they go, hey, could you send Carson? They didn't ask for me, they asked for one of my team. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. That is huge. So that's what we wanna build again. And, uh, and it's kind of, uh, did you guys see um, The Princess Bride? You've seen that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The classic, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's the whole thing about the Dread Pirate Roberts. And he goes, well, I'm not the original Dread Pirate Roberts, nor was the one before me. And what we do is we pull into port and we release all of the crew. We bring on a new crew. And they have, and so that's what, how we're viewing it this year. Like, okay, everybody's gone. We bring on a new crew. We made all the changes that we wanted to make. And then the new guys come in and go, this is how we do it here. And they go, okay. Whereas you have someone who has been with you for five or six years and you make a really important change for your company. You go, this is what we're going to do this year. And they go, man, I don't like that. I'm not going to do it. I mean, switching from paper to digital, we had pushback from our team and it made it so much easier for them. Like, hmm, this is, you know, it's hard. And we overcame, but it's old dog, new tricks. So now we have a, a kennel of new dogs.
0: Fantastic. I uh, We've seen so many, and, and Caleb and I have been watching this on this podcast, but even inside of the BitClips user base, Sid, people are doubling their net without having to increase their price simply on embracing some new ways to do your business. And I love that some of the questions in here you might have seen towards the bottom. I'm not sure. But um, first of all, what I loved hearing there, and I saw Caleb highlighting it and knowing your numbers. And, uh, Caleb, you know, Caleb's worked for me for a lot of years, speaking of coming and going, he's come and gone and gone to other jobs and come back. And, um, I remember the best improvement and Caleb, correct me if I'm wrong, of the times that we were the most happy is when our team all knew our numbers. We knew how we were doing. We knew what we were trying to do and where we were going together, not as a disciplinary measure, but as a, as a goal and as a, as a focus. So when you're making that change, um, you're making that change to your, to your team, you're bringing on kind of a new line and making some changeovers. Um, What are a few of the things you did internally that, um, that, that helped you to get to that bottom line? And I love everyone. Listen, I I love that. He said, it isn't about what you make in sales. It isn't about how many technicians you have really. It's about what's your technician revenue per hour. Go see our earlier episode on how to calculate that Your revenue per hour, take your hours worked by your guys, your team, take your sales, divide it. That's your productivity number. Then secondly, um, what's your, what are you taking home? Because a healthy business will be able to take care of their people through the winter. A lot of you listening right now lay off a big chunk of your staff. Home services is seasonal. Hats off to you, Sid, for getting creative. That's a, This is really awesome. I'm actually going to probably double back to you on a podcast uh, um, in a few months and we'll see how, it's, how it fleshes out. But I'm really, this is exciting stuff. So um, Caleb, do you want to um, ask any questions on that specific topic
2: yeah well to your point jim um you know numbers are so important especially in our industry um so how often do you um review sort of your numbers with your technicians is that something that's part of your process that you like them to be aware of that or is that more something that you internally handle
1: Um, we've always done that internally we handle it with you know with our management team everybody knows the numbers there i've I, I really would love to hear from you guys, like Jim, how you as an employer turned around and started sharing your numbers with all of the team. That's something I always wanted to do. I make it available. You know, we'll have our Monday m- muster, and I'm like, anybody wants to learn how to read a, you know, and L, like I'm happy to show you. I would, you know, you can ask me anything, and I've just made it available. Like you can know our numbers, but no one ever said, yeah, I'd like to know your numbers, so I never pursued it, which is is very different from. What we are doing this year like we've we've got three main thrusts one is changing our pay structure so we have year-round pay Um, for accountability within the team we set up a new kpi structure and we're building out the display right now and a big tv on the wall that displays it every day people walk in and they know what was our you know each by team what was their average revenue per hour what's the production rate how many callbacks have they had in the month and then every team is list this is from the technician side every team is listed so they can see everyone else's KPIs and it becomes, it's a sounding board, not a, um, yeah, there'll be bragging rights, but it's not a punishment either. It's like, Oh, you guys suck. We're you're not going there. People will do that, but that's not the point. But the point of it is so that if everybody knows the numbers, if they know the goal, then, then they can see the progress. And I think, you know, it's healthy to have that level of competition where people can look at it and prod, you know, I'm sure you guys same way. If, if you and I, said, hey, let's have a contest to see who can get the most reviews this month. I want to win. I, I don't want to come in second. I want to just, even if it's by one review and I'll, whatever it takes, I'll fight for it. But the, even if I come in second or third, I'm going to do better than I would have if we hadn't competed
0: on it. Very good. We have another, so this is part of a series about technicians. It's not You can't tackle this in one episode. <laughs> our, our other episode is called The Big Board, how to share and create that competitive climate That's productive. And that is something I've done a lot of things really terrible. And uh, I'm just like you, Caleb can tell you all the things that I have failed as a leader, but things I've done well have been to, I'm a, I'm a coach. I'm a competitor by nature. And I, I think that the next generation, including Caleb, they like to compete and whether it's gaming or they want to be part of a purpose competition isn't, um, as vulgar as it sounds, like Game of Thrones, it, it's being part of a purpose, and so that's another episode. And I um I encourage all you to listen to that episode. Um and uh, and so Sid, the fact that you're putting that up, that that monitor, whether it's a monitor, everybody, a little piece of paper, or you go to Big Cliff's website and you do your technician productivity tracker, and you and you pop out your own little big board every week. The point is, Sid, in one of your videos on YouTube, you come walking in, and you're like, "Let's meet the team," and they're all clapping and standing around, and I yeah. love it because it's like how often are we getting all of our people together? Like once a week, do you actually set aside an hour to go over your numbers, Not uh, hear us out? Sid's not saying you go over the numbers so that everyone can beat up on on Tommy for not producing. The goal is to get around and say, Caleb, congratulations, you had a great productive week last week. And of course the technician will say, well, he had the big old job at the hospital and you can get a little bit of banter. And then, but more importantly is to say, what's it gonna take to get all of us and our average higher up because we're all as strong as our weakest player. And maybe the new guy needs a little bit of help. You know, where were you in your first three months working here, Tom, and and bringing stories together so that you can help each other, just like a basketball team or a football team. And um, I think that's, an, I can't under, I can't, State this enough that when I consult with businesses and they say, "Jim, I'm having a hard time keeping technicians. I can't find anybody. I'm trying to get them." I'm like, "A lot of times we have a cancer in our organization and we don't have mm-hmm. a safe place." Our, our, if I go interview your technicians today, will they tell us their purpose? Can your if if I went over to to Sid's technicians, this is a good challenge for you, Sid. If I called up your your guys tomorrow and said, How did you do last week? What were your production numbers? And what's your goal? And what are you trying to get to by next month so that so that Sid can smile, the company's healthy, your vans are clean, and most importantly, your customers are happy. What what are you what are your numbers? And have them say, Oh, I'm at uh, I'm at $212 an hour right now and I'm hoping to get to $220. And et cetera. And that's what I'm trying to bring to the field to the to the industry, Sid, because it's not hard. It's not hard math. You don't need to drag your accountant in and pay them for an hour. It's easy. There's some very easy numbers to see if you are taking home a healthy profit. A healthy profit doesn't mean taking advantage of your customers, guys. A healthy profit means it's enough to keep yourself in business for 20 years so that you can keep serving them over and over again. 100 percent And that that's huge, you asked that question. And inside
1: I was like, ooh. I don't think my guys could answer that question. They, they would have a vague, like, yeah, we did pretty good. I don't know. We we don't have the, you know, the big board up yet. Um, Another aspect you talk about, you know, the, the, we call it the Monday morning meeting. It's the triple M. But for years I resisted that because when we sat down with, you put 10 guys sitting around the table, I'm like, oh my God, this is costing me 200 bucks an hour. Yep. Well, it's not, it's just what you're doing is sharpening your saw so that every swing with the ax after that is more productive, more effective and better.
0: What I I tell owners is they're going to go over to the water cooler or the flat glass table, and they're just going to talk about their weekend anyways. So you might as well talk about it in context of the team. It's it's more, they're going to do it. So harness it together instead of fighting against it.
2: Well, there's something to be said for us that we are commission based or we, we were before this and we still are to an extent, but, we, when you're commission-based, you're very aware of your numbers because you're trying to figure out how much you're going to make for that period, right? So that kind of was how that culture was bred initially, right? So we were competitive with each other. Within that, we also were trying to figure out how much money we individually were making. And then as we moved beyond that to more hourly pay and also commission-based, now we have team goals, which as a manager of a team really makes a difference for me because I can motivate my team to hit certain goals as a team. And then when we do that, they also hit their individual marks. So it all works out towards the same goal
0: you don't have to be on commission. You know, I, I've worked in, I've had, I, I've created this culture in my companies, whether they were on commission or not. And the truth is you can do it with a pizza party. You can do it with a team bonus. You can do yep. it with a, a new van, you know, technicians. I was a tech for a long time, man. A new van, some new tools made my job easier was as valuable sometimes as more on my paycheck that ended up just getting, you know put away in the wash. So um, don't take this away that you have to go to commission. Um, if you uh, we're going to likely do an episode on commission versus non-commission of the, the pros and cons in the future, because um, it is a topic that comes up often, but mostly the topic that comes up is I can't find a technician. I can't keep my technicians. Um, next episode we have with Megan Bedford on, um, on, um, on how to go find technicians. She's going to, she, she nails it. But what I love about Sid and what we're here today, and we're going to keep diving in here on these next couple of questions is how you keep technicians. And I know you had a turnover this year, Sid, but you know, you have had, you've built a a culture, um, and you even said in your video, you've trained over a hundred window washers. One of our questions is where did they all go? Do you have, um, do you have any favorite stories from former employees with regards to to like what they're doing now? Did they all go to your competitors? You touched on that a little <laughs> bit when you said they got other jobs and sometimes didn't come back, but um, how do you kind of tap into that pool and how do you see yourself with that? Cause at first I think people think, wow, you've trained a hundred window washers, man, that's exhausting. You know, um, <laughs> talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And it's, it sounds like a lot, you know, I'm always surprised. Like if I look on our, our payroll software and there's the sections as as you know former employees and I go oh my god that list is so long where did these people go you know and you know you try to remember everybody we definitely have favorites Um, most of us small you know uh, business owners we're looking for the rock star and so I remember the rock stars like Romero Romero came to us and in his on his third day he was pacing with a guy that had been with us for two years I mean he like he I'm like have you ever done this before no you just made sense to him though. And he was a rock climber. We, we, we lean toward rock climbers because they're always solution oriented and they, they just, they know how to make things work. I mean, and they can
0: swing from a building at the, in they, the snowstorm right. <laughs> 20 stories up.
1: That's right. When in that context, I've taught a lot of people how to clean windows, but I've never taught someone how to be not afraid of heights. So being afraid of heights can be a deal breaker for our business. So we look for people that are naturally drawn to you know, excitement or heights. And then we teach them how to be safe, which is its own beast. But funny, Romero called me yesterday. He, he worked with us for one season. And now he lives in Bend, Oregon with his wife and three children. And they own a window cleaning business. And they're in their fifth year. So he, he, after he moved, um, he's like, wow, that was really good business. I did well. That's so why he started his own. And now he, he calls me about once a quarter and, and asks me about different things. They were going through the same sort of growth patterns. Everybody else's wife says, I don't want to run the office anymore, but I don't know if somebody else can do it because I don't have any systems. And I'm sure that's another episode for you guys. So mm-hmm. anyway, so we, we have a lot of the guys have worked for me. We became friends. We keep in touch. I always invite them to our, you know, our beer and cigar night or whiskey, whatever we do. We have some culture pieces and our, our annual party and then you know some people drift off i don't know there there's only there're probably 3 that's went on into their own window cleaning business most of them th- this is kind of a double edged sword I don't, I don't know how to say it double edged sword for me i'm very committed to helping people progress in life and a lot of the the young men and women that come to work for us they're looking at it as a summer job they're not looking at a right. career they don't they're not thinking i'm going to stay here for 10 years they're like hey, I'm actually going to school to get my degree in wildlife biology. So that doesn't pair well with being a window cleaner for life. But we want to support them and help them learn life skills. And it's part of our our culture program, our personal development. You know, we start with the book Fish, which is all about choosing your attitude and bringing it to work. And then we go to How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is all about people skills. And that's going to help you no matter where you go and what you do. And then we go into Leadership with John Maxwell, and there's a few others. So we want to help people. Like they may not look back and go, "Wow, I'm really great window cleaner," but they can look back and go, "I learned so much working with this company. It helped me do X." We want to help them get to where they want to go, which is hard because I want them to stay forever. But at the same time, I'm preparing them to fly away and go do what they want to do.
0: I want you to take a nugget away from that, everybody. Um, Caleb. What um, you can talk about service station a little bit. It gives work with, with me for a long time. You know, when I first started um, very early on, we've always had a culture where delivering happiness was the first book you read and then continued on to um, just yesterday, I dropped a, a, um, a, a, a what's it called? A, a, sorry. Just yesterday, I dropped an inspirational quote into a channel um, just quickly because I, I read it and I thought, geez, Caleb might like this. Are you a leader at your company that thinks about um, growing your people? One thing that I've always um, taken to heart, Sid, was it's great to be a stepping stone. It's okay to be a stepping stone. It's okay to be the launch pad for the next generation. Meaning Caleb knows that if he calls me tomorrow and says, hey, I've got this opportunity I want to explore. My first response isn't, oh my God, I've put so much money and time into you. My first response is, what's the opportunity? This could yeah. be great. This could be great for you. And, it, you know, and very rarely do they go compete with us. And if they do, I'm like, good, I built a good competitor who's going to just going to run a good business. And I think that goes back to leadership as part of retaining employees. So, Caleb, talk to that a little bit, because now, Caleb, he started as a commission salesperson, remote working all over the world before the pandemic. And now he's running a team inside our company. And talk about that a little bit, Caleb, and what you've seen.
2: Well, absolutely. Um, that's such an interesting dynamic that you walk and and Sid you mentioned it being a double-edged sword but you don't want to lose your people right you know just considering my own team that I work with day to day we're in zoom meetings about six to eight hours a day just between calls talking to each other like I've I have really I have a coaching background as well. So I have a strong influence in that regard where I just want to talk to my guys. I want to get into what they're doing day to day. I want it to be a culture where they feel like they can say whatever they need to. They can access me for help whenever they need to or just figure it out on their own. Um, And so that part of this, as a team leader, certainly if I were to lose one of my guys, especially one of my better guys, that hurts me for my productivity, for my phone answering, for all of that. But you just have to be comfortable with that aspect of it where if it's a great opportunity, you know, by all means, that's that's good for you. And Jim, of course, has always been open about that with me. And so I think him, having, him giving me those opportunities has bred that within me as well as a team leader to if there's good opportunities. You know, even one of my guys called me a night before a, a day of work and said he he had a friend in town and wanted to go get a cabin up in Missoula area, up in the Lolo area. And of course, that puts me in a bind for that following Monday. And I was very annoyed, to say the least. But I let him go, you know, because I want him to enjoy his life. And I want him to take those opportunities where they are. Because if it was me in the reverse role, I'd want to go too, right?
0: And that's what keeps people around. Is, the, is us caring for them now that same token there are times i remember a couple of years ago caleb called me it was you or gabe i can't recall me and said hey boss we're gonna go we're gonna cut out a little early and go golfing uh, And it was like 3 p.m on like a friday and i said no no you are not um we have commitments here we won't have enough coverage we made a promise to our client and i hey i would love to golf that sounds fantastic but no i need you to take one for the team so there's both sides of that coin and uh, I think that's really important. And so um, I just wanted our listeners to hear from all three of us that the one common factor we see in these um, in these shops who who have great employees and great team, it starts with the top. And you can't hear that enough. And if you keep hearing that from people in your life, go into a a, a mastermind group. I know Sid's part of that. Get with some peers. Read John Maxwell. My my father's a John Maxwell coach. You know, get into leadership and get into like internal because I really don't think the problem of technicians is as big as we make it sometimes. It's also is our willingness to train, our willingness to cultivate, and our willingness to teach is that in place first, then see our future episodes. We'll show you how to get people in the door. We'll show you how to get applications across your desk. Um but are you ready to actually harvest those? So great uh great um feedback uh Caleb and and thank you for that Sid.
1: That's that's so important. I want to loop back to the beginning, one of the things that happened to me early on, where I was complaining about, you know, good help is hard to find. You know, that's you you hear that a million times, and most of the small mm-hmm. business people are like, I can't find my A players. And somebody said, Is your company a place that A players want to work? And I went, Oh crap! Like you 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 have to build from the inside out. If you want to have a rock star team, you need to be the kind of company where rock stars want to work. Why do people want to go work at Google? Super creative. They have free food. They, you know, they've a popcorn machine and a ping pong table. I don't know what their culture is, but they have a giant culture piece that's part of the the workplace. And so we, you know, we can't have foosball and, and ping pong all day long. But what can we do as a team that makes it that makes it appealing? One, people's need has to be met. They got to make enough money to want to stay. So they're not just like searching for the next, you know, 50 cent raise somewhere else. And then Two, you know, I have the pieces of the pie that make it fun. A lot of that we have already talked about. It's it's not just fun, but it's, you know, it's the competition. It's the productivity. It's the purpose. And then, you know, we add to that on Thursdays at the end of the week. Everybody has a, a growler full of beer waiting for them in the refrigerator that they can take home for the weekend. That That's our big secret. By the way, everybody, get <laughs> everything you've heard. Just buy beer for your team. Oh.
0: And- so speaking of practical things, Sid. And let's get into this because this is where other owners are like, okay, great. We get it. We need to be better leaders. We need to be an employer of choice. That's step one. Um, We will give you resources. Go to bigclips.com. We have blog posts, resources, places you guys can go to get leadership training. That's important. Now let's talk about ways um, ways to take care of your technicians because part of being an employer of choice is to be able to pay them well. You know, and as you said earlier, we're going into 2021. I don't want to go increase prices on customers. Now we've seen some users um, that have doubled their net profit this year without increasing their price a dollar over the year before and they did it through things like charging in home consultations instead of driving around for free all the time. They actually yeah. calculated how much they drove around for free. They did it through interactive estimates, you know, stronger estimates, 24-hour bookability, payment ability. There's different ways inside the business. What ways are you trying this year in your company? And what ways have you always wanted to try but maybe you're a little bit nervous? And what things are your secret nuggets for for those out there that are they're like, okay, I buy into all of this and I'm going to create the culture, but how do I just pay my people?
1: Yeah, those, those are huge and they're really not that daunting. It, the thing that you know this year surprised me, I spent the those couple of weeks just working on the business with zero distractions and I relied on the math. We, I built a spreadsheet. It like, what if we do this? We do this. Here's the result. And I was so annoyed. I'm like, I want to be emotionally attached to this, but the math just says, do this. And do so it's very informative, you know, right. if you know what affects your bottom line. Um, so here's some of the things that we're doing this year. One, we did mention that we're increasing prices, but we start that with, we did, um, you know, I'm the 80-20 guy in our world. Our show is the 80-20 show. So I did something that honestly I had not done before. We did an 80-20 analysis on our customer base. They go, where's the money? And, and it was, and it's always revealing. I ran the numbers like, Forty-five percent of our customers provide eighty-two percent of the revenue. That means fifty-five percent of the customers only provided eighteen percent of our total revenue, and most of that was very low profit margin revenue. It wasn't even great revenue, you know. So you go if you were just thinking business, and you know, not being ruthless, but just go by the numbers. You go the first thing I'm going to do is release the bottom half of my customer base because they only produce fifteen percent of the revenue. So half the the phone calls headache scheduling goes away and then you free yourself up with a little bit of time to fill in with higher quality work you you instantly like this it's so counterintuitive to say i fired half my customers and my profit went up but that's exactly what'll happen
0: Yes. And then, but that's scary, you know, because you want to be a company that says yes, right? You want to be a company that comes in. When you did that breakdown, did you find it was geographical? Was it accounts versus cash? What were the, what, how did you identify that 15%?
1: Some of it was geographical. We we really, I mean, it was very top level. It was just what's the average ticket? Where does it fall? Who paid us more overall? Because most of our, I mean, your economies of scale, most people that are, you know, if the ticket, was fifteen hundred? It was probably more profitable than a hundred and fifty dollar job because you have the same drive time, the same setup time, the same two technicians. You're you're going to make more on a bigger ticket usually if it's if it's bid correctly. So we didn't we didn't dig real deep in our um, KPI world with the, the CRM that we use. We couldn't get as granular as we wanted to to find out what was the profitability on each job. So we just started with that that top line. Okay, right. How, how much does this customer pay us? and so a simple adjustment for us uh, as far as practical is we go our, you know our current minimum charge is $100 and that covers our we don't lose money at 100 sending a two man team out but we're raising that to 150 mm-hmm. so anybody that paid 125 last year will have to pay 150 but we can offer it's like while we're there why don't we clean the gutters let's we want to do something for that extra money not just say hi it sucks to be you you have to give us more money for the privilege of seeing us that's not correct in my opinion. Right. So and some people will say, hey, you know what? That's too much. I'm not going to do it. And they'll they'll go somewhere else. And then we'll move forward. But it's kind of, you know, you have to, you got to clean out your refrigerator once in a while. And there's something in the back corner you go, this does not serve me anymore. I no longer need, you know, wasabi from 1988. Let's get yeah. rid of that. Yeah. And it's just not a good fit. So so that was one thing. <clears throat> something else that, that was very revealing and this, and I, I learned a lot of this from you and Bid Clips. We had a new office manager in 2020 that was not from the area. She'd never clean a window. She hadn't been with us. And I'm like, how can we simplify everything as much as possible so the new person doesn't know anything about it Can just follow a checklist and fill in the blanks and get a reliable result? And that came from, you know, so many people, as we mentioned earlier, when they look for a window cleaner, they just go grab their phone say, window cleaner Missoula, bing. And if they see you and they like you, most of the time they hit call. A few times they go to your website, but you know, they like for us, our experience has been they, call hit the button, they just call us, mm-hmm. and so somebody friendly voice says, Thanks for calling Spectrum Window Cleaning. This is Kathy. How may I help you? And they go, Yeah, I'd like to get an estimate. Great. We have the checklist. Have you worked with us before? Have we done, you know, da, da, da. and then we just we we tried to we we took away this is answering your other question directly. What did you do to increase profits without? adding new customers without, you know, like, how'd you do that internally? We stopped driving around for free because my my time or my lead salesperson's time, if you got a list of 10 bids to go do, it takes 30 minutes each when you add in drive time. And ours is a really simple model. We're not measuring. So we just walk around the house count. We've got a formula. Boop, 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 we're done 30 minutes a piece. But when that phone call comes in, if they can get a general idea of how much is going to be and book the call on the spot. We just saved a half an hour.
0: Well, you have to close seven of those just to pay for you and your lead estimator's time because you're usually the most um, skilled person that's out doing the estimates in a lot of business cases. So you have to, you have, it's an undue pressure when half of those customers might just kind of want to know what it costs because they just want to know. They might, might have nothing to do with how good you are or the price point. It might just be, oh, that was good to know. I didn't know if it was 500 or 5,000. Thanks for telling me, Sid. I'll let you know once we sell the house.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. What a waste of your time when you're like mm-hmm. you killed it on every level. You did a great job, and yeah. nothing you can do. So very good. So you took away driving around. Took away some of the free estimates. You made it easy for your um, just repeating make sure I heard everything. You, you made it easy for your manager, your phone person, to answer their to build w- what data points do we need quickly, and then uh, how, and then qual- um, then geographically. You know, for those of you that don't know, Missoula is a is a big pinwheel of valleys and uh we can get calls from um a very nice ranch uh 200 miles away good job but <laughs> 200 miles away want to go look at it 200 miles away would love to give them a free estimate 200 miles cool. away so response a bid uh, bid clips uh jerry rig your own um, way to do it being able to um Give people uh, a, an estimate that's close enough that you hope not to go over um, and get some money deposited is a great way to secure that 200 200 mile, beautiful, but 200 mile drive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because really, I mean, who wants to be in business doing great work to lose money? Yeah, no one. I mean, that's, that's not the point. And it's well, not- some of us
0: do it every day and because we, you know, we're, we're gluttons for habit, but none of us <laughs> like to do it. Right. And that's, I want you to hear that everybody we are busy. We're not great busy. Everybody tells me they're so busy this year. And I just need you to join in to lean into Sid's 8020 program, lead into these things because you can't be unprofitable busy, or you're just working your way out of a job. And that's so frustrating. So I hope you hear what, what was just said and at the lowest level, and this is kind of a quick wake up everyone. If you fall asleep at the wheel, listening to this, know your numbers profile your customers. And here's what I like to t- ask people. What's the cost to qualify? What's your cost of qualifying the customer? Because you don't want to say no to people, but you have to qualify. You have to say, is this for you or not? It's a, it's your filter of, a, is this going to be a good relationship? What is that costing you right now? And when businesses really dive in, they find out they're spending a lot of money on estimates and on chasing people around. what percentage of, of your labor force is spent actually just washing windows on the job productive and what percentage is chasing customers around, communicating with them, setting it up, making sure you have to have everything you need to be able to get to the job to start washing the said windows.
1: Yeah. I, I don't actually know the percentage by that. I will say that we we're in a, I'm grateful. We're in the position we are now. Most of our businesses repeat customers. So a lot of the running around doesn't happen. It used to be a ton more. Now, we, we could still run around all over the place with with uh, you know two or three salesmen just running to give everybody an in-person estimate. And that's a hard transition because you know, face-to-face is the best bandwidth. People, that's where they gain trust. That's where you have the highest closing rate. And it's also where you can waste the most time. And a lot of people, honestly, if they call and you say, sure, we can give you an estimate a week from Thursday. They're like, no, it's too late. I just want to know now. Because we're... We're going back to. I, I love so much you said earlier. You know, a lot of the small guys, you need to lean on and implement and utilize technology to simplify, to automate, and, and to make things run smoother. Because as a window cleaner, carpet cleaner, glass installer, you know, roofer, you're not competing with the other window cleaners and carpet cleaners in your market. You're competing with Amazon. Yeah. Amazon doesn't provide the service you do, but people are used to going, I need a new set of shoes. Amazon, click, click, click. Two days, it's on my door. It's over.
0: You're competing so if- with perception and customer and behavior. You're competing with perception, and yeah. not perception against others. Perception against what we're used to buying. That's huge, Sid. And um, yeah, and most importantly, okay. So you do want to do face to face. Let's say you are a new business. Okay. Well, that person better be consistent every time. Be in a great mood. Be selfless, empathetic, clean. Which means who is that? usually just the owner how valuable is your time to drive around to ten possible new clients a day and not being with your technicians getting their temperature building strength so if you don't have a way for your business to present itself automatically uh, you know every time with the same video with the same presentation like bid clips again responsive bid service t- there's so many great technologies coming up that are not hard to use that are as easy as email which I know a lot of you are like, we're still writing things down, Jim, like my uh, nameless boat mechanic. This was also the estimate. And now it's the bill. It's a pink piece of paper and he won't accept credit cards because he's want to pay 3%. So I'll pay him in a week. And he did the work three months ago. So with that being said, I'm not picking on, on you, uh, boat, said boat mechanic who knows listening to my show, but it's time <laughs> to make things easier on you. Cause by the time he wrote all those things out, all those technical pieces on that piece of paper, he could have clicked at auto fill a message and send. So that's not, this podcast is not about big clips, but I, that is a plug. We are powered by big clips. We're sponsored by it. that's what keeps this thing going, but we're more about making your life easier. The trades can be fun. The trades can be a good business. It doesn't have to be so clunky. So thank you, Sid, for that. We both get excited about that because both of us see that as the future. And again, if you guys don't know Sid and you don't know what he's up to and you don't know what they're doing in the bigger window washer space, please lean in. There are so many peers. I, I got to attend one um, in Atlanta a few years ago, and I watched Sid get up on stage and just fire people up. And I was like, "Man, if I was a window washer, I wouldn't miss this." So I wanted to give a little plug to make sure you're involved in your associations. You're finding leaders like Sid to help you through these things. You know, um, Sid and I do this because we love to help you. Um, the money's not part of it. That's a byproduct of doing great work. We want to help people to enjoy their their careers and enjoy the home services because. It's only looking like we're going to have more work to do with less workers. So that's, that to me <laughs> says opportunity.
1: 100%. <laughs>
0: so, um, so but let's, let's dive into just a little bit okay. more because I think some of our listeners are going to think to themselves, okay, I kind of want to do this. I kind of want to like, look at this. So you, you, I liked what you said. You're not just competing against the other window washers in your market. You're competing with Amazon, Perception. What are some of the misconceptions for, and this isn't on your little list of questions, so we're going a little rogue here. Yeah. What are your perceptions of home services, people, window washers, uh, the stereotypes and stigmas that you need to be aware of with your technician stuff and then overcome things like shoe covers, et cetera. What do you guys do at spectrum that helps to break those down?
1: Okay. That that's such a great topic. The perception is reality. Reality isn't reality. It's what people think of you and people, you know, they, the old saying people will do business with, people they know, like, and trust. Well, how do we develop trust at a digital age? I mean, a lot of that comes at the beginning. We started talking about reviews. I've got 10 times more reviews than the next guy. If people do click to your website, make sure it wasn't designed in 2005. It needs to be more modern. It needs to be clean and crisp and easy to read so that their perception is, oh, I mean, people look at your picture and go, I like this guy, or I don't like this guy. And they don't know you. They just see you. So you want to make sure that you present well and whenever it's time that we'll get a little more granular here we um there's no difference in the quality work a technician can do if they're dressed in cutoffs and a, a sleeveless t-shirt or if they're wearing a tuxedo their skill doesn't change so do you guys wear tuxedos
0: when they're oh, repelling
1: absolutely Guerrilla- i would
0: sell a lot of window <laughs> washing i would hire the company that is has his tuxedo on and he's cleaning that window when he comes down in front of my office <laughs>
1: I, I may have to consider that we have done a Spider-Man suit and we once did a banana suit um, and it, it didn't get us. Yeah. It got us notoriety, but no more business. But, and
0: I love that. I love what you just said. It doesn't change their work, whether they're in cutoffs and tattoos and everything else being shown. And I'm not, Hey, nothing is tattoos. I have them. I'm what Sid is saying, guys is as, as an owner, we can also show our technicians that they can be proud of what they wear. You know, I used to fight so many b- battles with some of these managers who are like, I can't get them to wear their uniforms. Like for me, it was easy. I'm like, Hey, this is your uniform. I didn't, I didn't leave room for them to come fight me. I was like, we need, we're going to look like a team. I, you're not going to tell me you're not going to wear the Jersey of our basketball team. And it was an easy thing for me, but some people really ch- struggle. So I struggle with that said they're afraid. Oh, I don't want them to quit because I make them a uniform yeah. back to the earlier part of this podcast if you're creating a culture where they want to work for you and you're paying them well all year long and you're helping them out because you're doing the things we're telling you to be profitable, to pay your technicians, by the way, guys, this is not to go buy a Maserati. We're telling you how to be able to take care of your people so that you can buy yourself time, which is, I don't know about you, Sid. Way more valuable to me right now than, than money is the ability to have right. time and, and know my people are being taken care of, my customers. Yeah. So, with that, so everybody hear us on that. If, if you're finding yourself struggling with just getting your people to look and dress good, then I'm asking you back to that original question What are we doing? And um, do they understand why that's important? Are you educating them on this perception? Maybe have them listen to this podcast that customers need to know they're safe. My My wife, I have two little daughters. We want to know that when that person from spectrum window washing is coming up to my house that they're safe and they're love, they're kind. They don't have to be perfect. They can, it doesn't matter what they've gone through in their life. You know, we're not asking, asking for perfection. We're asking for safety and just good heartedness. So Sid, how do you talk about that to your guys in your meeting? How do you, and, and your gals, how do you bring that to your team and, and how do you educate them on why that stuff's important? Because sometimes it seems like text they're, they're thinking, how do they get it done? Well, they're not as much yeah. thinking about how to present.
1: Yeah and it's back to perception we train that it's a part of our culture it's part of our training and that is the the main so our 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 values we call our core values clean fit it's clean fun innovation and trust and people pay more for trust in we're in a you know in, in a society where you I mean people need to trust you and so how do you shortcut the trust factor and that's you know what we were talking about earlier it's the perception so we train little things like when you show up at a customer's door, ring the bell, step back three steps. Not, don't be in their face when they open the door. Have your hands down, but where they can be seen. If you got your hands behind your back, which is kind of natural when you're waiting, you know, people are like, what's he got behind his back? Is a bouquet of flowers? Is it a gun? What is it? Like, make sure that everything is obvious. We, and we went to, you know, we've got a polo. We've got a really nice logo. It's designed in there. People look sharp. It's khaki pants and a blue shirt. We look like we work at Best Buy. And, but we get the Spectrum
0: logo. Well, And, and real quick on that, guys, um, it's not that much more today. And um, I have a great guy in Missoula, but it's not that much more to get a sport tech polo than a cotton. It's not much more. I'm talking yeah. 10 bucks a shirt, 15. I know you're like, oh, 10 bucks a shirt times 10, guys. That is cheaper then BO sweat everywhere. Cause it's summertime and you're busting through windows and you stink and you just look like you got off of a, 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 you know, you just walked out of a, out of a gym. So little things like that are also ways to help that perception. And usually the technicians like, Ooh, these are nicer. They're, they're a little bit more breathable. And I, I, I feel valued by my owner for a hundred dollars. They waste that much money just chatting around the water cooler on, on Monday morning. <laughs> so are you going are you to put that money towards things that help them out? So there's little ways to not be cheap that to be effective.
1: Yeah, 100%. Oh my gosh. So we surveyed, um, we were talking about mastermind groups. We had, we had a mastermind thing going here in Missoula for a while. And uh, it was about about half male, half female. So one day I just asked if all the ladies would stay, I wanted to interview them or ask them questions about our business. And so I had about 15 ladies. And I said, what's the number one most important thing When you have a technician come to your house, it's a plumber, a carpet cleaner, whatever it is. What's most important? Unanimous. All 15 ladies said, be on time. Be on time. And I'm like, that's so easy. That's within your control. It doesn't cost anything extra to be on time. So we made that a priority. Number two thing of all of the things you could imagine, it was like, is it how they're dressed? What do they do? Is it notebooks? Is it paper? What is it? I was stumped when... Nine out of 10 ladies said, they need to smell nice. I'm like, what? What does that have to do with anything? Well, it has everything to do with anything. If you, you know, it's go backwards and go, who is your customer? Mm -hmm. I know for a residential customer, it's a female age 35 to 55. They're married. They're probably to a professional and they're concerned about who comes in my house. They've got small kids. There's a lot of things involved there and they want somebody that smells nice. Not too much cologne. Don't, you know. Don't, don't, don't take a bath in, you know, an Axe body spray right before you get out of your Mm van, just smell clean. I'm like, if that's important to most of them,
0: we're going to do it for everybody.
1: And then it was, and and
0: keep, save on your third topic on those first two guys. So on time uh, as owners, I often see owners that I work with. um, The reason that our techs sometimes aren't on time. Well, and a lot of you are going to kill me, but it's true. It's either the techs are lazy, which sometimes is true. But really, a lot of times it's that the owner, we're over-scheduling or over-promising, under-delivering. We're not leaving enough time to actually get there, which is costly. I know you've got to run a tight ship, mm-hmm. but if you're not leaving enough buffer to get your guys there, I, I always used to think, hey, add five, 10 minutes to what you're estimating because you're, it's going to be that much to just load the van. Or, no, it's not. Other guys they'll say, ah, it's going to take me an hour. I, I'll do the bid for an hour and 15 minutes because I'm like, it, they, they didn't think about loading and unloading. So we as leaders need to set up our technicians for success by telling them they need to be there at 10, telling the customer it's 1030, for example, no one's going to blow us up for being 30 minutes early. Okay. And they're likely to get on the job earlier and then they're home earlier to the shop. Secondly, on the smell, um, Sid said it best. First of all, as a technician, I have breathed so many fumes over the years. I don't smell anything hardly. <laughs> so I will be in the house like, Oh, it's great. And my wife would be like, oh, what is that smell? Like I literally smell nothing. So sometimes our technicians, we don't know how we smell. Um, and, and it's right. And the little things like air fresheners in your vans and keeping your van clean also keeps you smelling a little bit better. So just kind of encouraging that there's a reason we do all of those things. And then yes, having just the right amount. So I want to just give two practical applications for some of you that, uh, on those two points. So then the third point said,
1: yeah, the third point was be, people, you need to respect their home and, in that is one is being respectful, but largely it's just perception. So you mentioned earlier you know, we we're required to put on shoe covers when we step in somebody's house. Most people say, "Oh, you don't have to do that." We do it anyway. We say it's okay. It's just part of the program, and people automatically think, "Man, they care about my stuff." So that means when they're not watching you clean a window, clean a carpet, fix you know change a light bulb, they assume that you care, and we do. But you've just shown them and demonstrated them. One other, one of the simplest things we ever did that I resisted. We, you know, we window cleaners work out of a bucket. You know, you can get a pickle bucket from behind a cafe for nothing. It's got some old sticker on it, and you can put your stuff in there and you can clean windows just fine. And I did for a long time with an old beat up paint bucket. Well, it's ugly. It doesn't look like anything other than something you grabbed out of a dumpster. So we bought the rectangular. You know, solid colored. All our buckets are the same color. We stick a name tag on there, and it mm-hmm. it doesn't affect our quality one bit. But it looks nice, and the customer thinks you know, if they if you show up in a like a nice looking vehicle, you got a nice looking uniform, you got nice looking equipment. People go, these guys know what they're doing
0: the pros. Absolutely. And then it's easier to get the price point you need because that's difference between the neighbor kid trying to do your windows. So it's fantastic. Very, very inexpensive. Um, also with the shoe cover thing, something I did in my businesses was I tell my guys, if I ever see you go in without one or here, you didn't, you lose your job immediately. <laughs> and I said, and then I said, but if you ever see me go into a home without putting my shoe covers on and taking care and cleaning up, I'll give you my business. And I made it this, this, it go, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. And it was great because they were like, okay, okay. He, he's not, he, he's not sitting in his, uh, in his office, you know, reading something from Sid's, uh, Sid's blog post or email or, or, or something and, and passing it down. He's like, I'm going to walk the walk with you. And yeah. there's nothing better than when you're, um, training a new technician to go with them, let them do the work. Of course, you can see how their workmanship is for non window washers listening, go with them. But also, um, also when you walk up to the customer, say, hey, here's how we step back together and then hand them a business card. Don't just shake their hand. Uh, If they lean their hand out to shake, you can shake it, but don't put your hand out because that can be really intimidating for some people, especially post COVID. You know, don't just go in for the elbow tap, Um, read the room. And then secondly, uh, one thing I used to teach my technicians was don't point out any specific thing in the home. Say, this is a lovely home, Mrs. Thompson. Don't say, "Ooh, it's a nice 60 inch flat screen. If that flash <laughs> screen goes missing. You're the first pri- primary suspect. And little things like that. My guys and girls would just laugh. They're like, they they're like, okay, I didn't think about these things. And what's also yeah. fun is I say, hey, I'm going to teach you some things on on life. And if Sid and his wife invite me to dinner, I follow the same protocol. Lovely home, graphs. <laughs> you yeah. know, not ooh, man, would I like to get my hands on that Hartley? <laughs> or, or you know, uh, just being mindful of how we're uh, how we're holding ourselves, And, and, you know, we teach that to my daughters. Why wouldn't I help my technicians? Oftentimes they just have never been taught these things, you know? And so if you treat it as I do this too, you're more likely to get your technicians to engage. Very much so.
1: And one of the key things in this, you know, so I'm coming from the background of, I was a solo operator for a decade, a guy with a helper in a van with a bucket. And all I was trying to do was pay rent and feed my kids and then one day I was like, wait a second, I need to turn this into a business. We can serve a lot more people. We can do a lot of good things, I have my reasons. Uh, but I, a lot of these challenges or these changes, I thought, oh, they're too expensive, they're too time consuming, or I'm moving so fast, I just expect my technicians to know what I'm thinking, which they don't. So just back it all the way up to set your expectations at the beginning, explain why, and then lead by example. And it's really that simple. So if you want people to be on time, be on time, tell them we're going to be on time. And here's why. And then, you know, like, I loved your example of like, if you don't have on your shoe covers, you don't have a
0: job, but if I don't do
1: it, you get my business. Like that is commitment.
0: Yeah. You have to, and you have to, because I was a technician and anytime that our bosses would bring something down the pipe, I want to, you know, you don't want to embrace it right away. So you're going to test the level of commitment. Is this a phase Sid's going through after his hoorah leadership camp? Or is this Sid's heart? And then secondly, um, this is all relationship. And the only reason I go as abrasive as you lose your job, just like my service station team knows I will forgive anything. I will work. There's not a mistake. I, I tell them on their first date. there's not a mistake I can't fix that. You can do that. I can't fix not one. I am the customer whisperer, not a mistake, but if you ever hurt our customers by swearing at them or getting angry You're done because the customer is my number one relationship and tied with my number one relationship. And this is where I want everyone to hear us tied with my number one relationship with the customer is my relationship with my team. If you don't value your employees as much as you value your customers, you have a losing strategy. They have to feel that they're your number one customer first. It doesn't mean you cower to them. Just like, I hope you don't do to customers all the time or bent over backwards or have an unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship. You have a good relationship. And I often would tell my technicians, Hey, I'm going to teach you about relationships because this applies to a marriage. It applies to a partner. It applies to a father, son, a a father, daughter. Uh, uh, This is relationships. Uh, The ability of respect, perception, um, thoughtfulness, empathy. So don't think I'm doing this to make money or for our company. I hope that when you leave this and you go home at night, you still do things like asking the customer what broke before you fix their house. Let them tell you, Oh man. And they say, that's got to feel terrible or man, these windows are dirty. That's got to feel terrible to not get to see that view. That's so powerful. That's an empathetic statement, not hard to teach. And that's all they have to say is, wow, I I can imagine that you're frustrated looking through that (laughs) all the time. We're going to, we're going to make that better for you today. So I just want to bring home um, the point that if you haven't heard it through Sid, through this podcast, um, he cares about his people. And I know this true of Sid since the day I met him, he cares about his people, whether he likes them or not all the time. He cares about people. We can care about everyone, whether we choose to hang out with them in our spare time. You've got to care about them. you got to care about our teams. And I think you're going to find pretty quickly, those of you out there, you're going to lose the technicians that you shouldn't have, the 80-20 rule. And you're going to lose the customers you shouldn't have, the 80-20 rule. And you're going to draw the people that align with you. And I would rather run a business, and I'm going to stop my rant here because Caleb's not here to shut me down real quick. Um, I uh, I would rather have a business with five technicians that I love, care about, and know and like, and do a half a million dollars than to run a business with 20 technicians where I'm a little worried about what the experience is going on out there in my market. I just, that's me personally. And that's why small business is powerful. So, um, better than both of those options is option three, 50 technicians who meet together and who you can trust all of them and three, four or $5 million in business. So you can do it all, but the day you lose touch with your culture is the day you lose touch with your customer and yourself. So that's, that's my little rant on the end of the back half of this episode and, and uh, said we hit all of the main points that I wanted to hit today um, for our owners that are listening right now for the technicians that are riding in their vans. Um, what's your, what are some of your you know last minute things you want to talk about or, or bring home on how to, how to, to, how to get ahead of this topic that we hear all the time of how do we keep our good techs? How do we find them?
1: Yeah. I, I want to say that I want to give everybody an easy button for. I mean, you just heard a lot of great ideas, like, "Oh, we could do this. We could change this. We could implement this." And change makes most people nervous. But today, in the world we live in, in COVID world, you have the perfect reason to make any change that you want to make, whether it's with your technicians, your customers, within yourself. You go, you like define what it is you want to change, and then you just tell your team or your customer, like, due to COVID. We're doing this and nobody even nobody questions you and it's not and it's the stuff that you wanted to do anyway. So just use the easy button and say due to COVID, we are now we're only accepting credit cards and we have to have a card on file before we come to your home or you know fill in the blank. Anything that you've always because, you know, I'm talking to you driving your van. You wanted to do some cool stuff, but you're afraid that your lead technician, Bob, would say, I'm not wearing a uniform, man. It breaks my style. And you go, you know what? Due to COVID, we've had to make some changes and this is one of them. Here's your uniform shirt. Got to be khaki pants. Got to be tucked in. I'm wearing the same thing. We're all wearing the same thing. This is how we're going to do it. And then, you know, whatever the the standard is, just, just put it in place. You don't have to use that excuse, but just decide in advance how it's going to be and then lay it out.
0: Walk the walk and then don't budge on the line. And you'll find, I'm telling you guys, I've worked with hundreds of business owners. Bob, if you're authentic and you mean it and you lo- you're doing with love, I've not seen a Bob actually walk away. A good, good lead tech you want to keep. They're like, okay, I respect that. Let's do it. Um, it's when they feel the little, are you sure that's what you want to do? <laughs> it gets a little bit like, I'm just going to wait it out until it goes away. Yeah. So it's up to us to, to set that in place. And Bob, if you're driving to the van, listening to this, maybe you want to go to your boss and say, Hey, you know, I think maybe we should, Dress a little nicer. You might find you might get a raise, or you might just feel good because you're doing work. You don't have to wait for owners to do this. If you're just if you're the cleaner listening, just take some of these actions. I don't know a single owner is going to come get mad at you for being more professional. Yeah, but to try to level up. So here's the
1: motivational story behind it. Um, This there's no guarantee this is going to happen, but we've had it happen. We had three technicians on the job. We're wearing the nice uniforms. Customer tipped a hundred dollars per person, and said. You're the nicest looking crew that's ever come to work in my house.
0: Wow. Yeah. So,
1: well, yeah. So Bob, you'll make more money.
0: <laughs> <Do it. laughs> that is fantastic. So, um, man, I can't thank you enough, Sid. I, I hope we can have you on more. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find more Sid Graph? How, uh, people love your voice. They love what you're about. Where do we, they go to be around guys like you, to be around you? Where can they go to get more resources?
1: Okay. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and then to be able to share some insights and bang ideas around. I love it. Thanks. It's good to catch up with you, Jim. Mm -hmm. Um, To answer your question, the easiest way is go to the 8020show.com. So it's the 8020show.com. And that's our podcast all about how to, it's the, the full title is the 8020 service business podcast. So you run a service business. How can you have a bigger impact with less effort. What are the levers that move your business forward more quickly? It's how do you get more time or money, more freedom with less effort?
0: You can also find Sid on bidclips.com. We're gonna be putting it up in our uh, our, uh, resources section, both his show, his content. Um, At Bidclips, we're all about helping the service industry. Our tools are amazing. They're not for everyone. If they're for you, come take a look and see. Today in Trades, this podcast, um, we hope it's helpful. We hope it's entertaining. We hope it's um, just a good you know, nugget for you um, as they come out. So um, continue through the rest of our series. Um, technicians, right? It's a big topic. Um, we have three parts. We've got Megan Bedford coming on from, um, uh, from Desk Free Nation and all sorts of really cool things coming down the pipe. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, thank you, Sid. And I'm excited to, to see you out there.
1: Jim, thanks again.
0: All right.